Chapter Forty of the Convict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Convict by G. P. R. James. Chapter Forty. It still wanted half an hour of eight o'clock on the following morning, when Dudley walked along the road from Beech Rock to Brandon. He was not alone, however, for by his side was Martin Oldkirk whose stern but not unpleasant features were lighted up with an expression of high satisfaction. At the distance of about a quarter of a mile from the old priory the two paused, and Dudley turned to take the path across the fields which led to the ruin, while Martin Oldkirk went on. But after a moment the young gentleman paused and called to his companion, saying, "'I think you would do it more quickly if you would go back and get the jig we left at Seafield.' I should like to have them all at Brandon by half-past nine. "'I shall go quicker on foot, sir,' replied Oldkirk. "'Seafield is a mile and a half, and that would be all lost time.' Without more words he walked on, and leaping the stile with a light heart, Dudley soon reached the bank of the little stream, near which ran the path he was following. Slackening his pace a little as he proceeded, to gaze at the dancing waters sparkling in the morning light, he advanced with the copse straight before him, and an angle of the sun rising grey above the green foliage. The hour and the scene and the season all harmonised well with the feelings in his bosom. He was going to meet her he loved in the bright morning of the year's most hopeful time, and his heart was full of the thrilling emotions of life's happiest dream. He reached the little lawn which spread from the old portal to the brink of the stream, and knowing he was before the hour, was advancing to take the seat which he had chosen the night before, and wait with hope and fancy for his companions, when a man came forth from one of the recesses of the building with a slow and sauntering air. "'This is disagreeable,' thought Dudley, "'but it matters not. As I have resolved on my course, I will walk on. I shall be sure to meet them in the park.' And he began to cross the green towards the copse, when the man whom he had seen called to him, saying, "'Sir, sir, I want to ask you a question.' Dudley instantly paused and turned round, when at the same moment another man appeared, and the first approaching said, "'Is not your name Dudley, sir?' "'Yes,' replied the young gentleman. "'What may be your pleasure with me?' "'I apprehend you in the Queen's name,' said the stranger, grasping his arm and producing a constable's staff. "'Come along with me.' "'Where is your warrant?' demanded Dudley, with perfect calmness, while the second man approached. "'I don't need any warrants,' answered the constable. "'I know you for a returned convict, and I shall take you at once before Mr. Conway.' "'No, that you shall not do,' replied Dudley, keeping them at a little distance. "'It is your duty to take me before the nearest magistrate. That is Sir Arthur Adelon.' "'and you have no pretence for making me go four miles "'when there is a justice within one.' "'Well, there can be no objection to that,' said the constable. "'But the other man interposed, observing in a low tone, "'He said before Mr. Conway.' "'I don't care for that,' replied the other. "'I don't take my orders from he. "'Did he say why?' "'I have told you what is your duty,' said Dudley, "'and you know it to be so.' "'Disregard it at your peril, for you will find in a very short time "'that you are altogether wrong in this business, "'and if you subject me to more inconvenience than necessary, I will punish you.' 
"'Well, I shall put the handcuffs on you at all events, my young blade,' replied the constable. "'That I have a right to do.' "'No, you have not,' answered Dudley, who had a stout stick in his hand. "'And you shall not do it. I tell you I am not an escaped convict, and that I am ready to go before Sir Arthur Adelon without the slightest resistance. But any attempt to treat me with indignity I will resist to the utmost of my power, knowing that I am in the right.' The consequences, then, be upon your own heads, for whether I be injured or you be injured in any struggle which may take place, the responsibility will rest with you. It is unfortunate that the inferior officers of the law have seldom any accurate knowledge of the law they have to execute, which generally makes their proceedings either rashly violent or weakly hesitating. "'Well, sir,' said the constable in return, after a moment's thought, "'If you will go quietly, I don't mind.' "'I will go quietly,' replied Dudley. "'And for your own satisfaction, one can come on one side and the other on the other. "'But remember, if either of you attempt to touch me, I will knock him down.' "'This being arranged, the whole party proceeded with some caution through the little wood, "'across the road and into the park. "'They had hardly gone a hundred yards, however, when Dudley perceived those whom he had come to meet,' advancing towards him he took not the least notice but proceeded with a calm and deliberate step and he could see that edgar suddenly hurried his pace when they came a little nearer sir arthur adelon's son left his cousin beneath one of the chestnut trees and hastening forward shook dudley warmly by the hand the two constables looked at each other in some surprise for this was a sort of recognition which they had not the least expectation of witnessing and they made no effort to interrupt low conversation which went on for a minute or two between the prisoner and his friend. "'I will tell him. I will not fail to tell him,' said Edgar. "'I will get back with Eda as fast as possible, that she may be there before you arrive. Good-bye. Good-bye for the present.' Thus ended their short conference, and Dudley, turning to the constables, told them he was ready to proceed. It was evident the two men began to doubt that they were exactly in the right, but Dudley gave them no opportunity of satisfying themselves any farther, walking on with a slow step, and suffering Eda and her cousin to enter the house before him. Few of the servants were seen about the place, and the man who appeared at the hall door in answer to the summons of the bell was a stranger to Dudley. A small room in Brandon House had been set apart as a justice-room, but when the servant led the constables and their prisoner thither, he found the door locked, and consequently conducted them to the library. "'Sir Arthur is not down yet,' said the footman, "'but I will tell him as soon as he is up.' "'Tell Mr. Filmer,' said the constable, "'he's up, I'll warrant.' Dudley listened with a slight smile, but made no remark aloud, thinking, though mistakenly, "'Some of the servants saw me on the night of the wreck, and have told the priest.' After waiting for a few minutes, the same servant returned and beckoned one of the constables out of the room. He was absent for nearly a quarter of an hour, but on his return he advanced to Dudley, saying, "'I am to take you to Mr. Conway, sir, for Sir Arthur will not like to deal with the case, because he knows you.' "'I am afraid he must,' replied Dudley firmly. "'I am here in a magistrate's house, and I certainly shall not quit it till he has decided whether there is or is not.' cause for keeping me in custody. You need not speak another word on the subject, my good friend, for here I am determined to remain. 
The man seemed puzzled and gave a significant look towards his companion. He then quitted the room once more, but returning after an absence of a few minutes, sat down at a little distance from the prisoner, and beat the top of his hat with his fingers. Many persons were now heard moving about the house, and a round-headed, fat-faced young man, in a Melton coat, top-boots, and white cord breeches, entered, looked round, and walked out again. Someone also passed along under the windows, whistling one of those interminable airs which ornament modern operas, and which are so happily adapted to vulgar tastes that everybody can whistle them, and everybody does. A moment after, Sir Arthur's voice was heard in the hall saying, apparently to a servant, "'Well, ring the breakfast bell. I dare say we shall not be long. Do you know what it is about? Who is he?' "'He looks quite like a gentleman, sir,' said the servant, "'but I did not ask any questions. "'Mr. Filmer has spoken with the constables.' "'Well, send Mr. Filmer to me,' said Sir Arthur Adelon. "'Good morning, my lord. Good morning, Captain M. "'The constables have brought in a prisoner. "'I must go and see what it is all about, "'but I will join you at breakfast in a few minutes.' "'Yours is an open court, I suppose, Sir Arthur,' "'said the voice of Captain M., and if you will permit me, I will see how people conduct such business here. Certainly, certainly, said Sir Arthur Adelon, and opening the door of the library, he walked in, followed by Lord Kingsland and Captain M. The moment the baronet's eyes fell upon Dudley, however, a change came over his face. He turned very pale, and his lips quivered, but he recovered speedily, and noticing the prisoner with a haughty bow, he said, I did not expect to see you here, sir. At the same time, he moved towards a great armchair by the side of the library table. Captain M.'s eye glanced towards Dudley with a very slight smile, but he took no farther notice of him, and seated himself near the peer and the baronet. "'I dare say you did not, Sir Arthur,' said Dudley, in reply to the magistrate's words. "'But coming hither at this moment was unexpected to myself, though I certainly should have troubled you with a visit in a short time.' "'It is to these two worthy gentlemen I owe the pleasure of seeing you sooner than I intended.' Hm, said Sir Arthur, with a cold look. "'I am to suppose, sir, then, that they brought you hither, in which they probably only did their duty. Upon what charge have you brought this—this—this—gentleman?' before me,' he continued, addressing the constable. "'Why, your worship, Sir Arthur,' replied the man, "'I had information that this gentleman, this Mr. Dudley, is an escaped convict, the same as he who was condemned at the Assizes two or three years ago. If he's not, he's very like him.' "'What do you say to this charge, sir?' demanded Sir Arthur Adelon, looking at Dudley with the same cold demeanour. "'By your permission, Sir Arthur,' replied Dudley, "'I will put one question to this good man.' "'Oh, as many as you please,' answered the baronet, throwing himself back in his chair, evidently not very much at ease. "'Well, then, tell me, my good friend the constable,' continued Dudley, "'who was it that gave you orders to apprehend me?' "'Why, nobody gave me orders like,' replied the constable, "'but I had information like.' "'From whom?' demanded Dudley. "'That is exactly what I want to know.' The man looked a little bewildered, but at length replied, "'Why, I was told not to say anything about it.' "'Yes, but you must say something here,' said Dudley. "'I insist upon your informing Sir Arthur Adelon who it was that gave you that information.' 
"'Why, it was Mr. Filmer, Father Peter, as they called him, if I must say,' replied the constable. "'I don't see why he should mind my telling.' "'I doubt it's being very pleasing to him,' replied Dudley. "'But with that we have nothing to do.' "'I do not see what we have to do with the matter at all,' said Sir Arthur Adelon. "'To me it seems of no importance.' "'To you it is of the greatest importance in the world,' replied Dudley. "'I put the question for the express purpose of leading to the complete display of a villain's character. "'I must request you to send for Mr. Filmer, sir.' "'I have sent for him already,' said Sir Arthur sharply. "'But the question is whether you, sir, are an escaped convict or not, "'and with that Mr. Filmer has nothing to do.' "'That is not the whole question,' replied Dudley. When that is all made clear, it will remain to be seen whether these men have acted properly in taking me into custody, without a warrant, and without information on oath. I might also add that they sought, in the first instance, doubtless by the advice of the same worthy informer, to take me four miles hence to Mr. Conway, when they apprehended me on the very grounds of Brandon. "'That was wrong,' said Sir Arthur. "'Pray, who told you to do that, Constable?' "'Why, Mr. Filmer, sir,' answered the man. "'Ah, here he comes to answer for himself,' observed the baronet as the door opened. But instead of Mr. Filmer, it was the baronet's son who appeared, and walking straight up to Dudley he shook hands with him warmly. Sir Arthur eyed him for a moment with a look of displeasure, and perhaps would have fain closed the doors of the library against any further audience, but he felt that there were many circumstances which might render such a step injudicious— and turning to one of the constables, he said in a hurried manner, "'Send for Mr. Filmer again. Say I desire to speak with him. Pray, be seated, Mr. Dudley.' He continued in a more courteous tone than he had hitherto used. "'I could certainly have wished that this case had been brought before Mr. Conway or any other magistrate rather than myself, for the feelings of friendship which I have always entertained towards you may throw a suspicion of partiality over my proceedings.' but I shall try to avoid the reality as far as possible, and deal with the matter in hand according to the principles of justice and common sense. Dudley felt a little indignant at this speech, well understanding the quality of the friendship which Sir Arthur expressed towards him, but a portion of contempt mingled with his indignation, for he was aware that hypocrisy has its origin in weakness more frequently than in art. Cunning is the refuge of the feeble." He sat down, therefore, in silence, merely bowing his head, and the moment after Mr. Filmer entered the room. Whether he had obtained any hint of what was occurring, or whether shrewd perception supplied the place of information, I know not. But his course was evidently chosen from the moment he entered the room. His step was, as usual, calm and easy, silent but firm, and turning a cold, stern glance upon Dudley, he advanced to the table where Sir Arthur Adelon sat, and said at once, without giving any one time to explain, "'I am very happy, Sir Arthur, to see that the constables have done their duty upon the information which I afforded them last night, although I perceive they have not attended to my warning, nor carried before Mr. Conway a case upon which I knew it would be very painful for you to decide.' As he spoke, his eyes again turned towards Dudley for a moment, and he saw an expression upon that gentleman's face which did not satisfy him. It was an expression of tranquil, almost contemptuous calmness. Dudley seemed rather amused than not, but if the priest was not well pleased with the look of the prisoner, he was still less so 
with a word that sounded close in his ear hypocrite said a low voice and turning round he saw edgar adelon close beside him did you apply that term to me my son said mr filmer almost in a whisper with a stern contracted brow the young man slowly bent his head in sign of affirmation and then withdrew a step leaving him alone pray mr filmer said dudley rising though the question may appear a little irregular and not bearing on the points at issue may i ask how you obtained certain information of my return to this country so as without making oath or taking out a warrant against me to send constables to apprehend me the question is irregular said the priest sternly but the moment after a gleam of bitter satisfaction came into his eyes and he added i can tell you if you desire it nevertheless but if you will take my advice you will not inquire and he looked round to edgar adelon with one of his serpent sneers which seemed but the more intense from the assumed mildness and tranquillity of every feature but the lip edgar at once quitted the room but dudley replied sir having nothing whatsoever to fear i will beg you to give the information i desired mr filmer seemed to hesitate for a moment and looked towards sir arthur adelon who answered it by saying pray do this matter must be investigated to the bottom be it so then said mr filmer yesterday evening i chanced as is frequently my custom to wander forth to the old priory wishing as who might not wish to spend a short time in meditation perhaps in prayer upon the spot and amidst the scenes where holy men ay and martyrs too have trod the earth with their feet and watered it with their blood and addressed their petitions to heaven i was sitting lost in thought when i heard voices near and looking forth i saw a party consisting of two gentlemen and a lady shall i give their names he continued and he fixed his eyes firmly upon dudley decidedly replied the prisoner although perhaps to say the truth he was not quite well pleased at the idea of his conversation with eda having been overheard certainly certainly replied lord kingsland who seemed for the moment to have the parliamentary spirit strong upon him name name pray give them said sir arthur adelon although his feelings were not very comfortable one gentleman was mr dudley replied the priest slowly the other was your son sir arthur the lady's name perhaps i had better not mention she will name it herself said eda brandon entering the room leaning upon edgar's arm i was the person my dear uncle who was with edgar and mr dudley at the priory and i was exceedingly glad she continued crossing over to dudley and giving him her hand to congratulate him on his safe return to england dudley retained the fair small hand she offered in his own for a moment or two and there they stood together she with her colour a good deal heightened and he with his eyes full of bright and proud satisfaction it had required a great effort but all that she had said was calm and ladylike and nothing more she had made no avowal of attachment she had tried to banish the tone the look the manner of affection but those who were around and marked the blush upon her cheek the light in dudley's eyes doubted not for one instant the spring of love from the depths of which those bright bubbles rose to the surface 
Sir Arthur Adelon looked utterly confounded, and Eda, seeing with some embarrassment that all eyes were fixed upon her, said in a somewhat faltering tone, but which grew stronger and firmer as she went on, "'I am afraid, my dear uncle, that I have intruded where I have little business. But Edgar having told me, in his enthusiastic way, that Mr. Filmer was likely to make a mystery of that in which there is really none, I came to sweep all such things away, for there is nothing that I should more dislike than of my actions being made a secret of. "'When all this is over, Mr. Dudley,' she continued, turning towards him, "'I shall be most happy to welcome you to Brandon. Indeed, breakfast is already waiting.' And she was retiring from the room, when her uncle exclaimed, "'Stay, Eda, stay! All this is most extraordinary. Pray, then, did you know that this gentleman had returned?' "'Perfectly,' answered Eda. "'I was aware that he had come back in the same ship with Edgar, and that he had suffered shipwreck with him, after having endured two years of undeserved hardship, brought upon him by the basest machinations of a designing man.' She would not look at Filmer while she spoke, for the strong, earnest love of her heart had raised the spirit of indignation in her, which she feared might appear too clearly. And turning away, she quitted the library. "'What is the meaning of all this?' asked Sir Arthur Adelon, looking at his son. "'There seems to be a serious accusation against some one, but what it is I cannot divine.' "'It is, I believe, a very common case, Sir Arthur,' answered Mr. Filmer. "'Ingratitude to those who have served and benefited us, suspicion of those who have dealt honestly for our own good against our inclination, and slander of the innocent in order to shield the guilty.' But the simple question before you, I believe, is, without considering any idle attack upon me, or defence equally idle, whether that person standing there is, or is not, an offender, under the sentence of the law, escaped from the country, and the punishment to which the law assigned him. "'I can answer that at once,' said Captain M., "'and you must forgive me for speaking, notwithstanding your message, my dear Dudley.' I first knew that gentleman, Sir Arthur, in the quality of the nameless fisherman by the nameless lake. I afterwards had the pleasure of seeing him at the government house, at Hobart Town, with his character cleared from all stain, and his name and honour as bright and proud as that of any gentleman in the land. I can testify that he received a pardon under the great seal, in consequence of being clearly proved innocent of an offence for which he had been wrongly condemned." "'Then I have no farther business here,' said Mr. Filmer, with perfect tranquillity of tone and look. "'I could not be aware of the circumstances under which Mr. Dudley had returned, and I suppose that no one will deny I acted properly in pointing out to the officers of justice a person whom I believed to have escaped from the due punishment of a great offence.' "'Stay one moment,' said Dudley. "'I have not done with you, sir. I have a charge to make against you, and a very heavy one.' Mr. Filmer's face might turn a shade or two paler, for it is a difficult thing when, through a long life, one has been acting a deep and criminal part, to see even the chance of exposure, and yet so rule the heart that the blood will not fly back to it in alarm. Habitual success may do something. The confidence of tried skill and known power may do something likewise and the custom of concealing emotion may still rule words and tones and actions and even looks but that subtle thing whatever it is 
which sometimes sends the warm stream of life rushing in an instant through every vein to the face and at others calls it suddenly back to the deep well of the heart cannot be so commanded the vagueness of a charge too does greatly add to its terrifying influence upon one who has been a hypocrite from the beginning all his powers of mind be they what they may are but as a small garrison in a ruined fortress attacked by a large army every evil act that he has committed every false word that he has spoken has made a breach in his own walls of defence he knows not at what feeble and unguarded point he may be attacked for he has himself raised up an innumerable host to assail him his own crimes are his own enemies and in proportion to their multitude must be his fears mr filmer did turn somewhat paler than he was before but so calm was his whole aspect that no one marked the change but dudley and edgar adelon whose keen eyes were fixed upon his face the whole time well sir he said turning towards his accuser i shall be very ready to hear and answer the charge as i know it must be groundless but will you allow me to suggest that it should be made at a later hour of the day you are aware that i am an early riser and i have not yet broken my fast my appetite too is good considering my years it seems sir that you wish to increase mine by a walk of four miles replied dudley but this matter is serious and cannot be turned off lightly i will make the charge whenever sir arthur adelon thinks fit to receive it but i do not lose sight of you till it is made then i am to consider it as of a criminal nature and cognizable by a magistrate demanded the baronet very much discomposed such as must lead you if it be even in part established replied dudley to commit this person to prison or at all events to require bail for his appearance then i would much prefer that the charge should be made before another magistrate said sir arthur but dudley edgar and the priest himself interfered the two former somewhat eagerly and the latter with the slightly sarcastic tone which marked his replies when he was not well pleased as my accuser has no objection sir arthur he said i must add my voice to his i at least do not suspect you of partiality but the great question with me at present is breakfast i know you have not yet taken any yourself my kind friend and although i do not bear any ill-will to mr dudley on account of whatever accusations he may bring against me either for pastime or revenge i certainly shall be very angry with him if he interrupts our pleasant morning meal which was always i must say a very tranquil one till he first set his foot in this house that is true at least said sir arthur in a low tone but edgar interfered again observing you had better perhaps join eda in the breakfast-room my dear father dudley she will be happy as you heard to see you there and after the meal we can proceed with this unfortunate business an exceedingly good motion and one for which i shall certainly vote exclaimed lord kingsland rising and then turning to captain m he added in a low voice i think m if we ever intended in the private theatricals of brandon to perform the rivals we may spare ourselves the trouble i had no part in the cast replied captain m though i am very sure my good lord there are more private theatricals going on in every house in the land than we generally imagine 
ever moralizing i ever moralizing said the peer in an air of easy persiflage and he took his way to the breakfast-room followed by the rest of the party End of chapter forty